Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University, and I'm delighted to welcome two people as our guests for today's podcast. Elaine Kolish, um, who's trained in the law, who's vice president and director of the Children's Food and Beverage Advertising Initiative at the Council of Better Business Bureaus. Previous to that, she's she had several positions, but spent 25 years as an official at the Federal Trade Commission, uh, ultimately serving as head of the Division of Enforcement in the Bureau of Consumer Protection. Our other guest, Linda Nagel, is from Canada. Uh, she joined the Adversti Advertising Standards Canada, Canada's national advertising self-regulatory body, as president and chief executive officer in 1994. Uh, she has um, a rich background in uh, regulatory issues and in advertising issues and has been in her position for a number of years and is the chief person looking at advertising standards in Canada. So I'm delighted to have the both of you here. So let's start with the, the following premise. Um, you both are very heavily involved in the issue of food marketing directed at children and are the point people in your two countries about self-regulatory efforts that the food industry is making, brokered by your two organizations, uh, to change the marketing landscape with foods marketed to children in particular. So, and it's a highly visible area because there's a lot of controversy around marketing. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about what your two organizations are doing to give people an overview of that. And then we can talk a little bit more about its history and about the particular standards that are being used, et cetera. So, Linda, why don't we start with you and you can tell us a bit about what's going on in Canada. Well, ASC, or Ad Standards Canada, we call it ASC, is the National Advertising Industry Self-Regulatory Body. And as the self-regulatory body, we recognize that children are our most precious asset, and it behooves all of the industry to work together to ensure that we have responsible standards for advertising to children. Okay, so that's a, that sets the stage for it. So what in particular is being done in Canada? Can you sum that up and um, tell us about uh, what's being done to monitor advertising related to children? Well, in Canada, we have a very robust system for, uh, for in terms of advertising to children. There are limits, for example, on television, on the number of minutes that, uh, to which children can be advertised. We have rigorous standards for children's advertising. We have broadcast advertising pre-clearance, which actually involves review by a committee of advertise of commercials, a committee that includes parents and uh, industry representatives who review ads before they can air to make okay. sure that they meet the standards. And you've made the point that although the standards, um, although the the industry funds the process, um, the standards that you compare marketing to are government-related standards for nutrition and health claims and things. Well, we have two sets of standards. We have self-regulatory standards that govern how messages can be communica communicated to children, and then these complement the existing uh, federal uh, standards, food standards. Okay, thank you. And Elaine, maybe you can give us an overview of what's happening in the U.S. Well, the BBB is administering the Food Pledge Program, as we say for short, where 16 major food companies have agreed or pledged, as we say, to limit their food advertising to kids under 12 to better-for-you products. 
12 of those companies have agreed that 100% of their advertising in child-directed media will be for Better For You products, and four companies have agreed to stop advertising altogether. Okay. And again, this is an industry-funded process, but when you have the Council of Better Business Bureaus involved, it gives it sort of a third-party, more objective body involved in it. That's right. The BBB is a 100-year-old, time-honored broker. Um, Our mantra is start with trust. We try to bridge the gap between businesses and consumers. They, they pay for our services because we couldn't afford to monitor their advertising and publicly report on them, but for funding, but we are an independent entity. Okay, let's try to make a little more concrete for people what these standards mean. So um, in both of your cases, could you give some examples of how marketing might be different now compared to the way it was, say, 10 years ago before these, in terms of are there certain products that used to be marketed that are not now, or are there certain messages that might have been used that aren't now? And just wh- how has the landscape changed as a result of these the self-regulatory pledges the industry has made? Well, it's important for me to add that after the U.S. implemented their important initiative, uh, the Canadian food manufacturers thought it was such a great program that they used it as a model to develop our own program. So the landscape has changed. For example, many, you know, a few years ago, you would, not only are the foods that you're seeing advertised to children different than they, from where they were before, you also see the nature of advertising is different. Five years ago, you could, or six years ago, you would see, you might see a child with a bag of cookies. Now, today, you'll see a child holding a cookie or whatever might be def- Uh, considered appropriate as a single serving of that food to ensure that we're promoting proper consumption. That's right. And that's true in the U.S. as well under our Children's Advertising Review Unit. We think it's important that foods be advertised appropriately to children and that you don't advertise snacks as substitutes for meals, that you don't denigrate food and uh, healthy foods and beverages, and that when you show children eating a meal that it's a balanced meal. And KRU has guidelines to try to help advertisers ensure that. For my program, the most important change is that you now have advertisers saying, we're going to use nutrition standards to determine what products we can advertise to kids. And that means a whole lot of products they might have advertised in the past can't be advertised any longer unless they can reformulate them to meet those nutrition standards. That sounds good. Now, in the talk that you both did so nicely at the Rudd Center um, just a few moments ago, you mentioned that uh, you both had impressions on things have changed, that you've kind of witnessed, there aren't good data yet, but your sort of intuitive impression is that things have really changed, especially in the television arena. Would you mind sharing some of those impressions? Well, certainly, uh, food advertising to children on television, and this is specifically to children under 12, has declined. In fact, uh, 10 years ago, again, that's a good number, or in, in the early 2000s, uh, food advertising was a more predominant um, uh, category. Now, you find that movies, DVDs, video games are certainly way more prevalent. And in fact, a spot check that we recently did, which is not scientific, but certainly directional, showed that over our monitoring monitoring period that less than 16% of the foods in that time and in, in, in that period were for food products. Oh, interesting. Okay. And Elaine, is that consistent with your impressions from the U.S.? 
Yes. I mean, based on FTC data that's been reported, food advertising has declined over the last 30 years, while sadly obesity has been going up. And other um, researchers in this area have also seen a decline in advertising. My personal observation, unempirically based, is that it's declining too. But we're also seeing changes, as we were talking about, in the type of foods being advertised. For example, a few years ago, confectionery, or candy, as we might call it, but the confectionery in the industry, was a big category. And now we have four candy companies that have agreed not to advertise their products to kids any longer. So you don't see Mars, Hershey, Cadbury, or Willy Wonka candy advertised to kids any longer. Now, as, as you two know better than ever, Anytime one undertakes something new and innovative like this, there will be critics of it and, you know, obviously people in favor of it as well. And so uh, with your permission, I'd like to just um, bring up a c- couple of the comments I've seen from some of the critics. And let's see, you know, what, how you could respond to those, if you don't mind. So one is that um, the companies can set, um, because each company sets its own standards within this, their general guidelines, that the companies could set such lax um, nutrition standards that more foods meet the standards than really should and therefore have the imprimatur of the Council of Better Business Bureaus, the whole uh, initiative in general, et cetera, and what's going on in Canada, and that um, it's misleading in the sense that products that really aren't so good are considered better for you, let's say. Well, the products have to meet the criteria requires company to set standards based on scientific or government standards. So for example, in Canada, that could mean anything from a product that meets the Heart and Stroke Foundation's health check uh, 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 program, that product, that could be a nutrition criteria. Um, Health Canada's uh, guidelines for what constitutes a low-fat food, et cetera, et cetera. These are not standards from the air. They're rather actually standards that come from science or government standards. Okay. Right. And in the U.S., we, we require it be based on governmental um, standards or well-recognized science, and most of the participants are relying on the dietary guidelines for Americans. Those guidelines, however, speak to the entire diets. What they have to do is interpret and apply them to individual foods and meals, and there people can have differences of opinion about that. But for the most part, most of the food standards are hovering right around this standard 35-10-35 metric, which means limiting fat calories to 35%, saturated fat calories to 10%, and sugars to 35%. I mean, there are some variations, and some have more... um, specific requirements for positive nutrients. Others don't say they have to, but they do have them. But they're basically very, very similar. And we've actually produced a chart to try to make it simpler for the public to see and understand the nutrition standards. And I I know that that continues to be a concern that better for you may not be good for you. But I think if people actually look at some of the products that are being advertised to children, that they can see for themselves that there are lots of really great products out there. Okay, another, uh, thank you. Another of the um, criticisms that I've heard is that the companies have agreed to stop marketing in, in quote, children's media, or there's some term for it, but it's mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and then what that does is leave untouched um, vast exposure that children have to marketing messages outside of the media that's specifically designed for young children. So an example might be um, Coca-Cola on American Idol Show, mm-hmm. where Coca-Cola is heavily advertised there. It's product placements, it's woven into the theme of the show, et cetera. 
um, and that would be left untouched by the, the pledges because that's not considered children's media. Um, and so the, the, the claim is, but without numbers that I've seen, is that um, most of the exposure kids have is, can be left untouched by this. But, but I'd be curious about your impressions. Well, it, it sort of depends on how you define exposure. We're focused on advertising that's designed to appeal to children and for products that they would be interested in, not to insulate them from all advertising that they might see. So, for example, on American Idol, which is a common example, usually the percentage of children 2 to 11 in the audience is well under 10%. I think for one season it was 7%. Even if you add adolescents, the 12 to 17-year-olds, it goes up to 15%. So the advertisers there are trying to target the other 85% of the audience, and we're not trying to affect what's directed at adults, even though children might incidentally see it. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Lynn, I have a question for you, particularly to Canada. Um, the, the province of Quebec is different in the way it handles marketing of all products to children than the rest of the country. Um, could you explain what particular uh, what's happening in Quebec, and then also whether there's any data or even anecdotal impressions about what might be different uh, in Quebec, uh, say with children's purchasing patterns, what they're like as consumers and all that kind of stuff compared to the other rest of the country. Under the Quebec Consumer Protection Act, advertising to, um, to children under the age of 13 is prohibited. So that applies province-wide. It would not affect something, a satellite channel or cable channel that might come in from, a, from another uh, province mm -hmm. or another place. But in fact, studies show that especially small children, that because Quebec is the French province, most of them are, are, are exposed to French media. From within the province. From within the province. That being said, that Quebec has had a doubling of obesity rates just like the rest of Canada has. And in fact, Alberta, which is a Western province, Alberta has a lower rate of obesity and overweight than does Quebec. So how, how would one explain that? You'd, you'd think that if less you think that if by prohibiting the marketing altogether that you'd get a different picture in Quebec than you would elsewhere. Well, I think that it just really is the best explanation is that obesity is a multifaceted society, worldwide societal problem and that we need all sorts. We need to attack it on all fronts and everyone has to be part of the solution. Okay, thank you. Now, both of you have, have made note um, that the, the work that's gone on so far with the self-regulatory pledges and commitments um, are just one step. It's the process that will continue to evolve with time and things like that. I'd be curious to get your sense of some of the things that you might see in the future. If, uh, again, it's you know not an official prediction of what's going to happen, and you know none of us are great at prognosticating. But if you could guess some of the ways these things might look different five years down the road, what what would be your guess? Um, I think a couple of things will happen. One is that the initiative itself, we pledged to review our own program after three years of operation because we wanted it to be dynamic. We wanted to see what was working, what might need to be tweaked, or whether we should go in different directions. 
we've actually sort of accelerated that review and been looking at that for the last eight or ten months. And later this year, we'll be announcing actually um, some changes to the program. But looking out further down the road, I think with the increased intention to sodium, with IOM looking at FDA looking at it, and maybe the daily value changing, I think that's one of the nutrition criteria that may change. And some people go, well, it's sodium. What does that got to do with you know weight? But it's you know weight is all about healthiness, and sodium is being linked to health. And I think our participants will respond by trying to have um, better sodium standards too. Okay, so you're making the important point that as uh, science changes or government standards change for certain nutrients, so might the, the self-regulatory pledges. That's right. And I'll certainly want to look at the um, dietary guidelines for Americans that come out in 2010. I think it's next fall. They're expected to be issued and see whether the standards our companies have continue to be aligned with the new recommendations. Okay, sounds good. Linda, what do you think about the future? I think that I would say something similar. I think we're seeing continuing product reformulations. We just are going into our um, second year now. We're in mid-year in our second year. Uh, we're a little bit, our program's a little newer, and but we're already seeing these kinds of changes as products continue to evolve. Good. Well, thank you so much both for joining us. It's been very informative and uh, this work is certainly at the forefront and raises all sorts of interesting and complicated issues. So it's very nice that you came and joined us and helped clarify some of these. So thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. It was a pleasure. So our guests today were Elaine Kolish, Vice President and Director of the Children's Food and Beverage Advertising Initiative at the Council of Better Business Bureaus, and Linda Nagel um, from the Advertising Standards Canada, and she's the President and Chief Executive Officer. Uh, please visit the Rudd Center website at www.yalerudcenter.org for a list of other podcasts. We have a number of excellent other guests to hear from, um, a free email newsletter, and other resources on food policy and obesity. Thank you.